My name is Tyler Bowles, and welcome back to the 20th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 18th, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited to be able to be in this weird season where we're at, where I am currently in northern Minnesota. We've been having some weird weather. It's definitely almost like nature is starting to say, you know, it's been a weird enough year, so why don't we give you actual snow accumulation that actually sticks on the ground, which the ground isn't frozen, which is just kind of weird, that stuck around all day today. And it was just kind of weird to be thinking about, yeah, it's just throw more weird things out in the air. And it's kind of where we're all at, isn't it? The year has just been odd. Everything just feels odd this year. And why not? Let's add some weirdness to it. And the weather is always something easy and fun to talk about. I know last year we did have a weird snowfall in October up here, but it didn't accumulate like this. And this is, we're talking about an inch or two of snow, enough where it's crunching underneath your feet. And it's just an odd year. Everything this year has been real odd. And I think we can all agree on that. But it kind of leads really well into our Twitter question from last week, which were, where have you made assumptions in your life? Has that ever backfired? And where in your life can you make sure that you're asking the right questions? You know, you always assume that it's safe to assume that in October that there isn't going to be a high chance of snow, much less snow accumulation, and that can always backfire. But one of the things that we got really interesting comments back this week. One of them was talking about our assumptions that we make about people, which ties in so beautifully to what we talked about last week, but also just how often we like putting people into boxes. We like organizing our lives in this way that we see this person and they fit into this box, but that's not how things work. People are bigger than a box. God is bigger than a box, and we like trying to do that And if we do, we better get real used to pulling out nails and expanding that box because people will constantly prove that they can't be fit into whatever box you constrain them into, that they flow into so many different parts of life. It's one of the hard things I've been having with having church virtual and not being able to connect with different people at church is the aspect of different elders who you assume initially when you meet them, especially when I was younger, that, okay, it's just an older person at church. And as you get to know them and as you learn more about them, the lessons they teach you, the things they teach you, the experiences that you have with them transpire and end up carrying more into different parts of your life than just what you saw them as initially. And it's such an important part of our life and an important part of growing and becoming who we are called to be, that we have to learn, that we have to continue to be open to understanding things and asking the right questions. The questions of not what can this person provide me, but what lessons are they going to be able to impart to me that will transcend my life, I think is a good question to be asking ourselves. So let's just jump right into this. And first and foremost, I will say when I brought up the coin last week in the temple, I didn't know 
and was it just a happy coincidence that that's going to be our gospel text this week. So we're going to jump right into it. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Now, remember where we are at here in Matthew, that this is toward the end of Jesus's life. This is right before the crucifixion. It's crucifixion week. And the Pharisees are with the Herodians. Now, this is really interesting because one, this is not a typical pairing. Two, this is the only time the Herodians are brought up. So you have the people who are kind of helping lead the temple and people who are about the king coming together. They're trying to butter up Jesus. Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show difference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Jesus then comes up with this beautiful answer and first responds of why are you trying to put me to the test? He asks them to pull out a coin, a denarius, which they do. And he said, whose head's on it? And they say, it's the emperor's. So Jesus says, give unto the emperors what is the emperor's and give unto the gods what is God's. They're amazed at what he responded and they leave him. Now, a couple pieces of context that we need to have about this. And then we'll dig into our other readings here. First, by the Pharisees and Herodians having coinage in the temple, which is where they're at, especially with the emperor's face on it, they just committed a sin. And according to that point, for two reasons. One, this is shekel country. Within the temple, you are supposed to have with the money changers where you are turning your coinage that had the emperor's face on it into shekels, which did not have the face of someone on it. And part of why that was a major thing was Emperor Augustus had his face on there and was stating that on the coin that he is divine, which obviously that isn't the case. And thus, this is the temple, so this shouldn't be here. So first, by them pulling out that coinage convicts them, realizes that they are there for a purpose. They have indicted themselves. They have turned themselves in, essentially. It was accidental or on purpose that they show their intentions and who they're really putting their faith and trust in is the emperor instead of God. But we'll dig a little bit more into that, especially the last verse. When they heard this, they were amazed and they left him and went away. The first reading this week is out of Isaiah chapter 45 verses 1 through 7. This is a very controversial text. We'll put it that way. This can be used in a lot of different contexts. And again, with where we're at in the world, if you're going to preach on this, take extreme caution. The tribe of Israel has been held as captives for years. And here is Isaiah talking to the people that God is appointing someone who isn't part of the tribe of Israel, Cyrus, to help lead and release the people of Israel so that God can continue to bless them. So it's this cool reading, actually, this reassuring reading on how God can bless us in ways that we don't necessarily initially expect, that we can see things coming from a new perspective, that 
God isn't necessarily working within our human constraints. He has a much bigger, vast control than what we ourselves have. So thus, this idea of how God is going to use this leader of another tribe to release the people of Israel to be able to do the work that God has called the Israelites to do. The alternative first reading is from Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23. Moses has been continuing to lead these people. He's gotten the Ten Commandments. He goes up and he's talking with God and he's like, I want to see you. I want to see you, God. And God essentially is telling him, you you can't take this. The glory of who I am, you just can't take. Moses is persistent. He's like, I really want to see it. And so essentially what God does is he hides him in a cleft of the mountain or rock and passes by. And after he passes by, he lifts his hand so that he can see the very end of his glory. So that the face of God is not shown. Which you could argue is partially so we can't make an idol or an image of what God looks like. But we can have this image of the brightness and the image of what the little bit of his glory is. The psalm this week is Psalm 96, verses 1 through 9, and optionally 10 through 13. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. This is an of recognition of the glory of God, and that how God is so strong and is better than anything else that we have here. That he is the one who is able to judge with equity. He is the one that's able to provide. He is the one that's trying to make this place work in harmony. And it's that we have to be able to understand that, to recognize that, to be able to be standing in awe and recognition of what's going on. The second reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians for a couple weeks here, and this is kind of a cool, encouraging book if we're able to take it in and work with this a little bit. But here Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonians and is trying to encourage them and realizing that look at what God has done and look at how he is calling you to be the people that he is called to be, that there's things that he has and is working on, and the Holy Spirit is within you to be able to do this, to bring and be examples for other people of believers, and how this is something that is bigger and better than anything else, but also something to recognize within yourself. It's a really powerful text to look at. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug, Bow. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help me bring this. Since you have four different seminary professors talking in their podcast weekly, plus multiple different commentaries, plus multiple different discussions, I use them and it gives me a lot of insight, like the insight that we use today looking at breaking down the gospel text a little bit already. A lot of that came from Working Preacher. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. And I use them on a weekly basis. And this wouldn't be possible without 
working preacher. I tipped my hand a little bit earlier, and as I looked at this text, and especially in the way that the world is right now, and I don't want to get this into a political podcast, and that's something that I've made purpose decision on for multiple years now, I was really struck by the 22nd verse. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. And why it struck me, here, Jesus has, like I talked about, convicted the people convicted the Pharisees and the Herodians. He's shown them that they were up to no good. They were trying to trick him. They essentially lied to try to get him to put down his guard. And then he outwitted them. The thing that struck me is what then the Pharisees and the Herodians did. They were amazed and they left. In a world right now that's so divisive and so ready to continue to fight, when was the last time that something struck you so much that you didn't have a response? When was the last time that somebody came up to you and was able to say something to you that shocked you so much that you didn't have a response? That you didn't try to say, well, well, how about this? How about that? They didn't do that. They're amazed by his answer and don't respond. In a world where everything is so instantaneous, so quick for us in a lot of ways, and in 2020 has been kind of a weird year because it's actually slowed us down a little bit, but we're still used to this instant gratification that we get. I can't think of many times where someone is talking to me and something goes on like this outside of like major events where I'm actually amazed and I don't have something to say. We're in a culture where we're almost bred to have an opinion on everything. So this week, I had another article come across my desk that helped me continue to set into this mindset. And I'll attach two articles down below. But essentially, we've witnessed this year a world record, possibly. This year, the bar-tailed godwit, which is a bird, they have tracked having a non-stop flight from Alaska to New Zealand, which is almost... 1,200 kilometers, or to put that in English standard, that's about 7,500 miles on the wing nonstop. Pretty impressive. 11 days constantly going, trusting that they had the food reserves to be able to make a trip and a journey like that. It's incredible. And this breaking a world record of within the own species of 7,200 miles set in 2007. So I thought, okay, this is awesome. What a great thing to be amazed at. Wow, that's crazy. Was trying to look for more articles on it. But then I stumbled across more articles. I stumbled across the common swift. And in 2016, there's NPR articles talking about how in a current issue of current biology that they realized that the common swift might be airborne for 10 months straight. Of our 12-month year, for 10 months, it's in the air, flying. And that they were going through some different formalities here, but essentially that it's looking like the majority of its life is on the wing, in the air. But then you continue on and you start looking at how many of these different ocean birds are constantly in the air. 
Finally, I'll attach some down below, and again, it gets into how do you want to divvy this up, you know, the longest migration year after year would be the Arctic Turn flying from pole to pole to pole every single year. And it is migration season, maybe this is partially why it's on my mind, but I sit there and just contemplate for a little while how unbelievable that really is. It's unbelievable for me being able to hop on an airplane and three hours later be on the, you know, most of the other side of the United States. And you can fly east coast to west coast in about five hours, five to six hours, depending on which way you're going. But in that plane, I'm not really doing a lot of work. In fact, I'm probably doing even less work than I typically do doing on the ground. And in that time and in that place, in a lot of ways, I could sleep. I'm not really doing anything. It's easy miles. I'm not working hard. But when I start thinking about hearing of birds doing 7,500 miles of flying straight, and when I've heard and looked at migration stuff before and how dependent these birds are on healthy, being able to bulk up to be able to do these migrations, and we've talked about different things with migration before, is this a time where we're supposed to be sitting there and recognizing the amazement, being willing and able to take a step back to recognize how amazing that is, that God designed these birds to be able to go that distance nonstop. And then the question within our own selves, what are the different gifts and abilities that God has designed within us? And do we live up to that potential? These birds have to in order to survive. Do we give ourselves enough time to be amazed? That's the Twitter question this week. Do we give ourselves enough time to be amazed? Because let's look at these other texts here. The people of Israel, God has promised all these things and they're probably feeling really down about themselves. They're captives. And it's not even someone within the tribe of Israel like they figured. It's another king that has just overthrown who had these people that's going to release these people. The amazement of that, that they could have been just handed off. In the alternative first reading, Moses first being able to have this type of direct communication with our maker should be amazing in and of itself. God realizing that I don't want idols and I know I don't really want to show myself. The persistence of Moses, the persistence to be able to convince God, can I at least just get a, a passing glance of a little bit of your glory? Oh, I first want to see your face. No, you can't handle my face. But I can let you see a little bit of that glory. And realizing that that is within us also. Because we are created in the image of God that is internal to us. That's amazing. And that we get this image of how bright the glory of God is. And that it's just quickly here and there. And just what we can't take the glory in this lifetime is amazing in and of itself. The psalm this week is recognizing the glory of God and what he can do. And Paul reminding the people in Thessalonians, reminding the Thessalonians that you have been given this. You've been given all this power through the Holy Spirit. That God has done all this stuff and he has a calling and a way that he wants and a purpose on where he's trying to steer you. Do not give up hope. That God and Jesus went through all of this 
for you so that you can do this next part. Yeah, he has planned and worked that this is the perfect mission for you. Can we recognize and take a moment to acknowledge the amazement of what that actually is? Can we acknowledge and recognize that God is trying to do amazing stuff for us and how often we pass it by? How often do we put other things in front of us? Jesus in this text is still showing that there are human things that are going to come up, that are still going to be important, that we still have to deal with. But also to recognize in that, that we are still working with our God and creator. So yes, you're dealing with this human stuff and deal with that. But that also realize that in that, there is God's stuff. And make sure that you're not just pushing that aside. That those two should be working together. To not let our sight be blinded and accidentally be bringing denarii into the temple instead of shekels. That we value the things of this life ahead of our faith. The things of this life are still important because here we still have that God is still saying yes to pay the tax. But also in that, we can't be putting that ahead of our faith. That we're working together with those. It's working within the confines of our society. But in that, if we're putting the things of our own life and the things of this life ahead of ourselves, does it limit us? from being amazed. If we get caught up in the human experience, do we take the time to recognize the amazement of migration that many other species do? The amazement of weather progression that causes this to happen. Has COVID-19 forced us to recognize these things? Has COVID-19 pushed us to be amazed this year? pushed us to be amazed on how much science does actually work and how hard it works to try to get things so that we don't have pandemics like this all the time? Does it push us to look at and to recognize the changing in seasons? How here in the Northern Hemisphere, during this time, we have watched the buds of the trees bring into leaves to go into summer to now going into fall and looking like the glimpses of winter are coming. Has it forced us to be more observant has it forced us to not make these assumptions because we have had to be observant, to be amazed. Because in this whole life experience of what we've been going through this year, nothing is taken for granted anymore. Everything has to be some source of being amazed. Have we overlooked the treasures that have been placed in front of us? How many times within our own lives have we put the human part of ourselves ahead of God. Not saying that they aren't important, but that we weren't recognizing in the moment the amazement that should be there. I know for me and for myself, one of the big ones that I have learned this year is the amazement of having family, having people who care about me that's outside of myself, people who are willing to be there and work with me and go through life with me. How valuable that is and how precious that is because that won't be with me forever. The people who I see right now as family, there will be people who come in and people who at some point will leave. And to treasure those people who are in that spot right now. Brothers and sisters, 2020 has been a gift 
for us to be amazed. It's a gift for us to be able to take a step back and to look at and recognize the gifts, the things that we can be amazed at. And when doing that, does God then start showing us these amazing things that we've overlooked and start showing us these things that we're Look, I'm opening up this door for you. Walk through it. And maybe not in the place where you expect it, like the tribe of Israel with Cyrus. Or maybe it's the answer to a long prayer, like Moses. Or maybe it's a letter coming from someone of encouragement, like Paul. Or maybe it's us just being overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit to recognize the gift of what God has and Jesus has done for us, like in the psalm. Brothers and sisters, We don't have to have an answer for everything. Sometimes we just have to be able to take in the moment and be amazed and then try to figure out the words to that and realizing that we might never be able to do it. Because sometimes the amazement that we're trying to explain is the glory of God, which is undescribable. We aren't meant to describe it. We see that in the alternative first reading. We aren't ready for that. but. We are in the place that we are able to take a step back and be amazed. So whether it's a bird flying for 10 months on the wing or a bird doing a nonstop flight during migration for 7,500 miles or whether it's just watching the seasons change, we have to be okay with seeing the amazement of God. But in that, that means that we need to be able to pause and take a deep breath to see it and acknowledge that sometimes the thing to say is literally nothing but walking away. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.